podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it is our first off-season Q&A episode. Uh, it's been wild, and honestly, it's still a wild news cycle with, uh, you know, Jerome Tang chasing transfers. I'm sure the football transfer market is going to heat up, so it really won't be truly full off-season mode, my guess is, for a couple more weeks, but I said this I, I, man, I can't remember when I said this, but I wanted to stick to it and I wanted to start it in April. And that is this year for the April, May, June, July, and August Q&A episodes. I wanted to bring on one of you, the boneheads, to join me for this. And the first one who reached out to me, uh, he's a college student. He is someone who is uh, a regular on the live shows, especially during football season. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Hayes. Hayes, welcome to the show. This is, I think, your first non-live show participation. Um, how are you doing? I know you're still a student. And there's actually a couple of questions that will be interesting to get your uh, opinion on as still a student. But I know you're doing homework, so thank you for uh, joining me. Uh, how's your weekend going? And, you know, how does it feel being the first bonehead to participate in a Q&A episode on the answering side of the equation. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Um, I am honored. Uh, like he said, I'm a student, I'm a senior here. Um, pretty excited. I just kind of spent my weekend outside, uh, went to the whole UC Irvine baseball series and uh, yeah, just hang out. I'll ask you this because again, you are a big college baseball fan. Um, what is your diagnosis of the season so far? You know, I, I got a little down on the Batcats when I was looking like they were staring down the barrel of a, you know, nine-game sweep to start conference play, but they stole one from TCU. They got the series versus Texas. Uh, they got two of one from UC Irvine. And I'm looking at postseason projections that have Oklahoma in. And in my head, I'm like, well, man, if they could get hot down the stretch, there's no reason why they can't leapfrog Oklahoma so what's your diagnosis on the Batcats before we get into some of these uh, great questions from your fellow boneheads? Yeah, much like you, uh, I was pretty bummed about how we were starting the season. I wasn't able to get to any games until the Texas one, actually. So uh, maybe I'm the spark that we needed. But we're hot right now. Two series wins in a row over obviously quality teams. One uh, top 10 ranked and UC Irvine was, I think, preseason ranked. And then now they're their uh, RPI was around like 60, uh, which is still better than us. So if we can keep playing like this, that'd be great. Um, Got to stay hot. Got a extremely winnable game Tuesday. And then um, series is against OU and KU coming up, which are both winnable. So we just got to stay hot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And again, if things get hot, you know, I might have to bring you on to, 
kind of go in depth on some of the late series or late season series and maybe even the Big 12 tournament. Uh, because if we get hot, you know, I, I would love to see us back in postseason play. Um, I have a couple questions for you that I'm going to ask all the boneheads before we jump into the questions for this Q&A episode. The first one is, and we've been asked this on the show, Grant and I, probably like 50 different times about how, what was our path to our K-State fandom? So I'll ask you that. What was your path to becoming a Wildcat? So um, I think I really started paying attention when I was around maybe nine. Um, my whole dad's side of the family are KU fans. My dad's or my mom's side are K-State fans. So there was kind of like a choice there. I think I actually maybe followed more KU, mostly just because my dad is a big sports guy. Um, and I went to, I'm from like East Wichita, uh, which anyone from there, like they're all KU fans. Um, yeah. So I, I was always sort of a contrarian. I'm actually, K-State's my only home team I'm even a fan of. I don't like any other home teams, but I just kind of started uh, migrating towards them. Maybe it was the football. Um, I don't know what it was around then, but just became a pretty diehard K-State fan. And yeah, started probably when I was nine and pretty young. So I was like 2009 and then really got into it around like 2012 area. And that was a great time to get into being a K-State fan. So that's how I came here. Yeah, for sure. Especially, you know, that 2012-13 winning the Big 12 in football, basketball and baseball, a feat that is almost never done in major college sports. Um, the next question I want to ask you is, uh, how did you find the show Bosco's Boys and what kind of made it so you wanted to be a listener, you participate in live shows, and you've really become part of the community that we've built. So uh, kind of what was your origin story finding the show and uh, from there? So when I came to college, you just I have a lot of walking, a lot of like sitting and studying and uh, most people listen to music and everything for all that, but I just became a big podcast guy. Um, I just podcasted in any free time I have any, or not really free time, just if I have something to listen to and tried to find some K-State stuff. Um, unfortunately got sucked into that other site at the beginning and then, uh, uh, started to make my way over here. I don't know what it was, started it, maybe some tweets or something, found out you guys had a podcast and just started listening and enjoyed it. And yeah, I've just been listening since then. So like two, two and a half years now. And then uh, once you guys started doing the live shows, I thought it was awesome and tried to do it whenever I was free. And I've been, I wouldn't quite say on the edge, but thinking about doing like a podcast, but so does every guy my age. So uh, I was thinking about that and kind of been on the edge. So anytime I can get on one of these and talk about stuff with people that are just as big of fans as me. It's, it's great. I'll say this, you know, I, I enjoy doing the podcast and if you just like talking about sports or really anything, I say, go for it. I think, I think the more podcasts out there, the merrier. Then the final question I'll ask before we get into it, do you have an all-time favorite episode of Bosco's boys? Um, and if, if it's an interview, is there a non-interview that like episode that really, uh, th that has stuck with you. I know that's tough because the interviews are always the most memorable, but I'll just uh, kind of ask that and then we'll jump into it. Man, I don't know if I have, there's, there's been so many, I don't know if I can pick one out. I mean, there's been some great interviews and uh, having Gene on, Stubby, 
obviously stubby fan favorite um i don't think i'm gonna have a good answer for you i i love the q a shows i i love getting to like hear the other stuff about it and just the basic questions that aren't really as k-state intensive obviously when you're winning they're more fun um i think one that pops into my mind would be uh I think the week before Iowa State or maybe KU, just one of the um, live shows we did. That was a ton of fun. It was just like an hour of trash talk and just airing out how much we hated the other one and then feeling good about our chances on Saturday. Yeah, the, the, the live shows before rivalry games and really the live shows before all the football games this year, it was, it was a ton of fun. So we're going to get into it. But before we do, uh, folks listening in, they, you heard me bring up the live show. We're going live every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time, a.k.a. God's Time Zone, 7 p.m. on ColorCast. Keep your eyes out on my personal Twitter account and the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. I will tweet out the link You know that afternoon where you can RSVP to the show, and right when we go live, you can click right into it. Uh, go live with us. We do get to record them, so they will be on the RSS feed, but you don't want to wait. Either listen in live or participate and have fun with us on Wednesday nights. And again, athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Folks, it's the perfect way to start my morning. All the 75 multivitamins, the minerals, the probiotics, the superfoods, all in one little scoop. Shake it up. Drink it down. If you go to uh, athleticgreens.com slash sports drink, you get five free travel packs and a year supply of the vitamin D droplets. Okay, Hayes, are you ready for it? Because I think we're starting off hot. We get some Cali Mike to start us off. So if you're ready, I'm ready. All right, let's get into it. All right, Cali Mike, SF Wildcats one on a scale of dried clay to Jay Rieger's Heim Brewing building. How bricked up are you uh, or how bricked up do you expect to be with the 2023 K-State football recruiting class? So, you know, a lot of stuff has been going on, uh, a lot of good vibes, especially around the Kansas kids. I actually think we might be getting someone from Nebraska committed soon. Check out our friends over at K-State Online. Or, again, you know, I'm not, I'm not fighting with anyone. There's enough love to go around. Check out Go Paracat if that's your jam as well. But there's a lot of fun recruiting news going on. Um, so what's your expectation? You know, I, I will say this, and I'm not trying to scare anyone. But Oklahoma didn't get their top running back uh, target. They're going to Texas. So if anyone is following recruiting, you know, that's the big one with Dylan Edwards. But even if you don't get him, I think this is going to be like a seven or eight. That's where I'm at. So what do you think this 2023 recruiting class is going to look like? Uh, I'm probably right there with you, like a, maybe an eight. Um, I feel pretty good about it. I'm happy that Kansas is putting so many people up there. Um, it's it's a little tough for reference wise because I haven't been nearly this far into recruiting until this year. Um, I would kind of like see where we ranked nationally and that was at the end of it. But um, I've been a message board subscriber for probably like six months now. And uh, so I'm, I've tried to stay pretty locked in, but it looks pretty nice. Um, obviously the big ones are Johnson and Edwards. And if we can get them, it's immediately like at least a nine for, um, I don't, at this point, I don't feel great about Edwards. Uh, I don't, there's not like a ton of info to back that one up. It's just, and that's fine. Um, I just don't feel incredible about him coming here. But Avery Johnson, feel pretty good. If we can pull him, that's huge. 
we're going to need a quarterback coming up here. We're kind of handcuffed in that year. Um, but I love the other guys we got. I talked about Will Ancio before from my high school. That just makes me a little extra pumped about that. Um, Wesley Fair, of course. Uh, Joe Odding, maybe. But, yeah, I, I'm loving this class so far. It's definitely the best class we've put together so far. And let's see if we can just keep that momentum going. The fun part about it is, is almost every guy that we have won so far and a lot of the guys, guys that we're going after, they're legitimate recruiting wins. I know some of the detractors from Coach Kleiman has said, oh, you know, if you look at the guys we're bringing in, we're not beating like peer schools. You know, we had a real bad year versus Iowa State last year. You know, we've struggled going up against Nebraska. But Will Antio, you know, we had to beat out Iowa State. KU where his family's from. Uh, Nebraska, you know, big win there. If you get Avery Johnson, that's going to be one of the biggest ones. You're going head-to-head with Oklahoma. Um, so, again, I, I I think that that's the most exciting part. Even if these weren't Kansas kids, just seeing the wins that we're getting, and they're still scouting as well. So uh, ask me this question. So I'll, I'll say say this to Callie Mike. Ask me this question for our holiday Q&A in December when that class is about finalized. I can give you the final grade, but I'm feeling very bullish. Um, we'll go to the next one from Callie Mike. Uh, what date specifically should we expect the Coach Tang podcast interview to drop? So I'll say this. I, I've been in contact with Tom Gilbert, so he's gone on a few podcasts. Um, I'm not going to push my – like, I'm not going to, like, email Tom every week. He told me we will get him on. And at this point, like, I kind of want to see how the, the roster kind of finalizes. Again, I'm not going to be picky. If Tom, if I were to check my email during this interview and Tom says, hey, Jerome can do it at 1 p.m. on Monday, I would do it. But at this point, I'm kind of like, all right, let's kind of wait and see. Let's get all, get some of the uh, pieces together. So I don't have a date, but it's close. And I'll say this, Tom, if you're listening, I will sit the boneheads on you again if we don't have anything by June, if, if, if it hasn't happened in June, if it doesn't happen in the month of May, I'm going to stick the boneheads on you. Uh, Hayes, I'll ask you this since you don't really, you don't read my email correspondence between me and Tom Gilbert. What is the number one question you would ask Jerome Tang if you got to talk to him in a podcast setting? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't know what you were saying about getting him after the roster's finalized. I, I think that would be a lot more interesting to hear what he has to say about the individual players. Uh, maybe one question would be, uh, it's, it's going to get a lot of coach speak probably, but just like what caliber of recruit can we expect here? Um, that'd be sort of a lie detector question. If we get like a real legit answer, uh, I'm sure he's just going to, uh, like I said, some coach speak, but it would be super interesting to hear what he has to say. And um, yeah, especially if we can get the, a few more guys in and then get his thoughts on that rather than just generic, like trying to get people on campus, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have basically the shell of the interview I'd ask. He is like, I, I, I don't know how he'd take it. You know, some of the more kind of silly ones, like if I ask him boxers or briefs and stuff like that, some of the stuff that I asked uh, Gene and some of the other folks, but I'm looking forward to it. I hope we can bring it to folks soon. Um, the next one from Callie Mike. If we lived in the twilight zone and a past K-State football game was replayed every year with the same rosters as originally played and no guaranteed result, 
which game would you want to see played every single year? So my first instinct on this one really was like, okay, what's a year that we were actually like decidedly better than like Oklahoma State? Um, because I don't care about the quality. I just want to see us win. And if we could all of a sudden beat Oklahoma State every single year, uh, I like sign me up for that one. So I, I think, I mean, because, man, we, we never beat them bad. Um, see, and I didn't do enough. So I'm pu- pulling up Winspedia, which is one of the – greatest websites in the world because I did not do enough of my research Um, and we have a three game losing streak to them right now all right so this is what I'll say I'll say honestly and there's nothing really that great about the 2018 season for K-State but I would say the 2018 K-State Wildcats versus the 2018 Oklahoma State Cowboys we beat them 31 to 12 and again if you look at that or the 20 no no I take it back. 2014, we killed them. Jake Waters, Tyler Lockett, 48 to 14. So I would say the 2014 K-State versus Oklahoma State because I would like sign me up for beating Oklahoma State every single year because I think that they might be the class of the Big 12 and the new Big 12 moving forward. So I filibustered a lot there. You might have a better answer, but that's what I would go with. 2014 K-State versus Oklahoma State because I'd love to beat them for the rest of my life. Yeah, the way I'm kind of trying to take this question is maybe a game that or a team where we definitely were better than them and then somehow lost um, because then the scenario would be like we should win more often than not. And I can't think of one straight up off the top of my head, um, but something like you said, getting to watch Jake Waters and Tyler Lockett every year would be great. I was kind of thinking maybe – I don't have a specific year in mind, but like three years ago, Iowa State or something like that when they were just god awful. If we could just kick the crap out of them every single year, that would make me happy. Um, I think that's going to be what I go with. But yeah, finding somewhere where we just dropped a game we shouldn't have dropped. If I could just watch a game, how it went every year, like wipe my memory, it's OU 2019 without a doubt. Um, that's probably my favorite moment of being here. But if, if it has to get replayed with the same rosters, if we're being honest, I don't think we win that one. Yeah. Cannot like six out of 10 times. <laughs> so originally that was going to be on my short list until I read the question more. Um, so I, that, that was on my short list. And I like going with Iowa state, like, Hey, like pound them. But I legitimately think that they are about to come back down to earth um, they did get a pretty decent uh, quarterback commit recently, but I just I just think that the magic is out in Ames, so I that's why I'm go- targeting Oklahoma State with that. Um, they're gonna here. oh go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say they're gonna really regret not getting Matt Campbell another job this year. I I don't know if they'll regret it because I don't think they're gonna make a better hire, but I I think Matt Campbell is going to regret holding on as long as he did. Um, here is the next one from Callie Mike, and this is this is a great one. Loki may be the best uh, question of the entire podcast. Uh, Quiznos, Good Sense, Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Subway, or Yellow Sub. So it's of like favorite sub places. So I like 
all of those except for like i'm not a big subway guy and ironically enough like jimmy john's is only okay i'm a big jersey mike's big quiznos big good sense guy yellow sub only had it once or twice and it was good but i'm going to go with quiznos uh, there's one super close to my house i can either get there like within three minutes or they deliver uh high quality meats so i'm going good sense for me what what's your answer for those sub places well, unfortunately, you are wrong. Uh, Jimmy John's is no doubt number one. I absolutely love Jimmy John's. Uh, I think this last summer when I was working out in Wichita, I I was too lazy to pack my lunch every day. I wasted so much money and ate Jimmy John's like four days a week. Um, so that definitely takes the cake. Their BLT is unmatched. If you're really hungry, that spicy East Coast Italian has like 400 more calories and everything else. And it's the same price. Uh, Jersey Mike's is a good shout too. It's just too expensive. Uh, Jimmy John's is still a pretty good deal, but yeah, I admittedly I've never had yellow sub, um, but Subway is eh, and good sense, not worth going again. And Quiznos is pretty good, but yeah, Jimmy John's by a mile. Yeah. I, I I'm going to disagree, but I also kind of like admit that like I'm in the minority. I think folks love Jimmy John's. Um, so I'm definitely in the mind. And, and again, I would never turn down Jimmy John's. Like if someone gave me a Jimmy John's gift card, like I'm not going to try to sell it off to someone. Hi, Chauncey. Hi, buddy. Uh, but I, it's definitely number four on that list for me. Uh, Quiznos, they had like a chicken carbonara sub, like with this like creamy chicken with bacon. Oh, it was so good. But I don't even know where the nearest Quiznos is to my house. So it's not really in my realm. Uh, we'll go to KSU Railroader, another, uh, you know, staple on the live shows. How many more stars, according to rivals, will the basketball team have in the 2022-23 season? So th this is this is a wild question. So we currently have, what, five guys in the fold. So it is eight more players. So I'm going to say, hmm. I'll just jump in with the way I was kind of taking the question oh, and yes. I'm trying to figure out with like what the average stars we can get what per player basically. Yeah, so that, that's and, what I did. I was just doing the math. But yeah. what, what do you think the <laughs> average star rating will be for the rest of the guys we bring in? So I'm going to assume if we get a transfer, we take his high school yep. Yep. star rating. Um, and in that case, I think we can average like, a three and a half ish, maybe a little bit up with so like round up, but this is going to tease another question later, but I don't think we fill all 13 scholarships. So say like seven more three and a half, that's 24 stars. Um, I think that's a pretty good estimate. And even if you think we can do better than the three and a half, like someone like Antoine Davis counts as a three star, even though yep. obviously he's better than that. Um, so yeah, that that's where I'm thinking. Yeah, so I had it at three and a half. It, so I, I had it I had it at 28 um, because I think it was, yeah, three and a half times eight is 28. So that's where I'm at. I think we end up filling them all, but we, we won't take away from that conversation. But I think three and a half is probably going to be where it averages out at. Uh, we got the good chef. I'm sure the good chef, Andre Napier, will be part of one of these shows in the future. Of the scholarships available, 
Where will Killa Cam Carter and Jarrell Colbert rank amongst the players brought into K-State? This is what I'll say. I hope Colbert is the second post player, so like the number two post, and I hope that Cam Carter is like first or second guard off the bench. So I'm hoping they're respectively around seven to eight on the team next year of the players that brought in the case. So hoping, hoping they're at like five to six, but again, I'll say this, they fit in with what coach Tang wants to do. I'm not going to automatically write this team off. If they're both starting, I think that they could both start on a team that contends and gets on the bubble and gets into the tournament. But my hope is they're like first off the bench. Where are you predicting them? I'm pretty close to you. Um, I wouldn't hate them starting. Uh, Someone like Jarrell Colbert, I actually do think will start. I just like the body that he brings in, the type of player that uh, Tang and Baylor were used to. He's kind of perfect for that. Um, He's obviously 6'10", I think, super athletic, rim runner, uh, just everything that they want in a guy. So I think he's probably going to end up starting at the four or five, depending on who we can bring in. And I'd be perfectly fine with that. Kill a cam. I think I'd much, I'd rather have him off the bench. Not that I'd be too hurt if he started, but I definitely think Marquise is starting. Uh, I know other people seem to put him on the bench and I don't get that one bit. Uh, I think if we put him on the bench, he might just blow this entire program up, (laughs) but not like talking trash on him. Just, with what he's done, if you try to sit him, he it'll be bad. Um, but ne- other than that, he's good enough to start. But anyway, I think Killicam probably best off the bench. Maybe the seven or eight guy, like you said. Hopefully help on D and uh, help a little bit. If I could compare him to someone now or from last year, I know we're trying to totally move on, but he seems kind of like a Selton Miguel guy to me that uh, definitely shouldn't start but he can help and defensively long guy. Uh, so yeah, maybe like seven area. Yeah. I I'm right there with you. Here's the next one from the good chef. How do you eat your Oreos whole half it and isolate the cream uh, milk dunker dot, dot, dot question mark. So I'll start with you because I, I honestly don't remember the last time I had an Oreo, but uh, how do you eat your Oreos? My bad. I am a uh, half it isolate the cream guy for sure. Um, I don't get anyone that would dunk an Oreo and milk. It's not a cookie. It's perfectly creamy enough. But yeah, pull it apart, eat the uh, eat the inside off, and then uh, you know eat the cookies on the end or whatever you call them. Yeah. So I think back when I would, I would twist it off and I would eat, like not isolate the cream, but eat. It one side and then maybe I would dunk the if I had milk around like the one with no cream but I'd honestly probably just throw it away um they're fine but I, I'm not a massive sweets guy so I I can't remember the last time I was like I want Oreos my mom actually for Christmas makes like an Oreo like ice cream cake type thing like for our Christmas Eve dessert that's really good but that's the only time I ever really eat Oreos um, the good chef asked this, what do you think the financial cap is for K-State's NIL collectives? This is what I'm going to say uh, to folks out there listening. I think K-State is far and away exceeding 
the competition when it comes to NIL, when you look at our peer programs, if you look at uh, for football and basketball, if you look at Iowa State, they don't have collectives. They're not able to do anything with NIL. We're blowing them out of the water. I think Oklahoma State is behind where we are when it comes to collectives. Uh, KU football, they are doing nothing when it comes to NIL and all their basketball stuff. It honestly isn't as big as you would expect it to be at a school like KU. Now, Oklahoma, them paying 50000 for every scholarship uh, football player, we're never going to be at that. But I'll tell you this. Avery Johnson, K-State would not be in the lead for Avery Johnson if we weren't willing to put together a six-figure NIL type deal for him. We would not be going head-to-head with Oklahoma for Dylan Edwards if we weren't able to be competitive. We would not be competitive and maybe the leader to get Antoine Davis if we weren't able to probably get high seven figures in NIL money for him. So folks who think, oh, little old K-State, you know, we can't compete at NIL. And I, I probably need to do a better job kind of like puffing my chest out as a K-State fan as well. But we are 100% playing hardball and playing NIL. And again, it's kind of gross. It's kind of slimy. But again, that's where college like football and basketball is going. And K-State is willing to do what it takes. So I don't know what the financial cap is, but I don't think we're ever going to be at a point where there's a guy who is number one on our board or number one on our team that we're not going to be able to at least put a fight up with when it comes to NIL. Um, your boots on the ground down there, Hayes. What's the uh, kind of assumption of how well K-State can play in the NIL world down there in Manhattan? I'm kind of with you. It's uh, I think without NIL, we're definitely punching lower than we can now. Um, it, we have far and away exceeded ex- my own expectations of how we could handle NIL. I was really worried that we'd just be some lowly sitting duck at the end, like watching everyone else do it and complaining about it um, rather than getting in on it. If you were to quantify maybe like where we stand in it, I, I, I'm not even thinking that much about where we rank. So don't anyone like get insulted by where I rank us nationally. But if you could like rank our ability to pull a guy and put it like say 40th and then but how much better our nil is than the people around us we automatically jump into like the top 25 for sure um so i think it's a huge help it, as far as a number for the financial cap i don't know about one player but i do feel like as a collective we could get in the higher six figures combined um, i mean it took less than a week for presumably our second biggest NIL collective to give three guys, I think a three-year full ride scholarship, that's 75 K a person. So over 200 grand already, I'm sure they don't have the money up front, but I think we can get up there. Uh, if we could maybe on one player one day, we'll see like 200,000, something like that. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into NIL, but if other people are doing it, I say, why not? Let's, it's not too slimy. It's everyone else is doing it. I don't think it's really barring our competition. It's definitely helping us. So selfishly, fine by me. Yeah, it, it's just kind of the new world. Again, if, if if you were to, you know, kind of go back in 2003 and tell me, you know, in sixth grade, hey, this is what college sports is going to turn into. I'll be like, oh, that's weird. That, that shouldn't uh, be what college sports is. But hey, it, it is, it's here. Everyone else is doing it. It's not under the table. 
Um, but again, you know, seeing Nigel Pack get, you know, two years, $800,000, that's wild. Um, and, and I'll say this, they are trying to set up, I, I think the Wildcats NIL. So Jesse Ertz's group, the one that did provide those, uh, you know, tuition money for three walk-ons. I think they have a group, like, I don't know what they're calling like the founder circle. I, I don't know what, what it is, but they're trying to set it up. So they're, they have like a group of like a hundred people. I think it's a hundred people. Uh, I'm trying to make sure the math is right. A thousand dollars a piece a month for a year. So they want to have amongst just a hundred folks, $1.2 million set up with their NIL. And there's two of them going on. And again, there are big money donors who are backing both of these NIL deals. I mean, you have NFL players backing one of them. You have, uh, you know, I think the veneers are backing uh, another one. So there's real money that they can do. And I, again, I don't think we're ever going to do a seven figure deal through one of these collectives for one player, but I'll also say this. I think that if Carl ice wanted a guy bad enough, it's not going to go through one of these collectives. I don't think that you're going to see, uh, you know, the wildcat NIL collective or the wildcats den collective ever associated with one recruit and trying to, uh, you know, make headline news. I think the biggest NIL folks are going to be individual donors who own businesses. And you're going to see, you know, a five-star basketball player, maybe going to Shamrock Trading Co. and signing autographs at a company picnic. You know, I think that's what's going to happen. It's not going to be this headline news. So I think folks might be surprised how much money we're able to do NIL I think that's a good point about the individual contributors. I mean, in Nigel's case, that's who it is. I don't remember. I think it's like something Ruiz. Um, I don't know if you or people listening were much like me, but when the uh, Miami lost that corner recruit to Jackson State, I spent like a week going to bed just listening to Miami Twitter spaces. And it was like the time of my life. It was so funny. It was just a bunch of grown super rich men complaining about what they were going to do and how they're going to turn around Miami football. And that guy's name was in every space and talked the majority of everything. So it's about time he puts his money where his mouth is. And I'm sure some other schools will have guys like that get involved too. Yeah. And then it will be interesting to see what happens, what it looks like five years from now. I don't think, I, I think it's impossible to put the genie back in the bottle, but you know, is that guy going to be ponying up, you know, $800,000 for a basketball guy if Nigel Pack turns around and, like, averages 12 points a game over the next two years for Miami? You know, are people going to, you know, be paying, what, $7 million for a quarterback going to Tennessee or whatever if he never gets on the field? It, it will be interesting to see if there's a market correction, but I don't think – I think folks are like, oh, when's the NCAA going to put guardrails in, yada, yada, yada. No. If there wasn't guardrails from the start, they're never going to be guardrails. So um, I think, you know, just embrace it. If you're someone who wants to get involved, again, there's collectives now. Um, I'm, I'm working. I, I'm trying to get Jesse Ertz on. Uh, I was trying to get Curry Sexton on. At some point this offseason, I'm going to get someone from one of these collectives on. I'm going to ask some of the questions that maybe folk, I, I know they probably don't want someone to ask them, but I, you know, I think it's important to try to find out, okay, if, if Hayes decides, hey, I, I got super rich uh, because I'm super smart and smell good with my first job out of college, 
if I donate $10,000, how much of that is going to go to a player versus how much of that is going to, you know, you know, the people running the collective, you know, administrative costs, all this type of stuff. I think it's important to try to get those questions because I know I wouldn't be donating any money, even a hundred bucks to any of these collectives uh, if I had no idea how it was going to be used. And ultimately that's what makes these collectives work. It's not going to be one guy writing a $200,000 check. It's going to be Jim and Mary from Lamigo deciding to, you know, pay 200 bucks to this collective to try to help out. And I think it's important to know how much of that money is actually going to go towards retaining and recruiting players versus, you know, Curry Sexton getting a Rolex watch. And now I don't think he's doing that at all. I love Curry Sexton. He's a smart guy. He's a lawyer. I, I, I do not think that's the case, but there will be some major stories. I bet within the next eight months about some of these collectives being super sketchy, skimming money, and not getting anything to players. So I, I think those stories are going to be coming. I don't think it's going to be at K-State, but I think it's important to find that stuff out. Um, anything else on NIL before we move on? I think you hit pretty much everything on the head. Okay, so here's a good one. And uh, shout out to CDOT Harrison of 610 Sports because he had this conversation uh, this past week. What's the best candy holiday, Easter, Halloween, or Christmas? And he went on a rant about how Easter is underrated when it comes to candy. So uh, I'll ask you first, uh, but what's the best candy holiday, Easter, Halloween, or Christmas? I mean, it has to be Halloween. I, I don't know how you would answer anything else. Maybe it's just me and my family or whatever. But I mean, we had our uh, Easter egg hunt this last week and it was full of beer and Mike's heart and stuff. So like, that's how it's done as soon as you grow up. Uh, that uh, So the only really uh, good candy there is Halloween. I'm not a big candy guy, to be honest. I, I don't love it very much, but uh, the, definitely the most time I eat candy is early November after Halloween. Yeah, I'm not a big candy guy, although I did find myself kind of eating some of the candy as like the days were coming up to Halloween. I had over 100 trick-or-treaters at my house this year. Uh, it was wild. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about Easter, as someone who I don't eat candy, but I'm a sucker for anything Reese's, the Reese's eggs are better than the Reese's uh, pumpkins or the Reese's uh, Christmas trees. So that's really great. But I do like peppermint stuff. So I, I do like Christmas. And again, as a pumpkin boy, you know, anything associated with pumpkin during Halloween is also good. But again, I don't eat a lot of candy, but I, I do want to like kind of give you know Carrington Herring or Carrington some props because he made a compelling case about like if you get rid of peeps you know you have the chocolate bunnies you have like the cream filled eggs you have the Reese's eggs yeah you know the little malted eggs there's a lot of like fun Easter specific candy that probably doesn't get enough uh publicity because everyone talks about how much they hate peeps that's honestly a good point if you could like uh, take it as a how good each thing is those Reese's eggs are definitely number one out of any of those candies like basically anything you can get for those three holidays so those are going to pull a lot of weight and I mean there are a lot of houses that give out just crap so I mean I was one of them I live in a janky college house and we're like maybe we should give out candy so just the cheapest thing we could find um so there is a lot of that on Halloween so I guess Easter might have a pretty good point 
All right, we're going to, we got one more from Chef. We'll just, actually, we have a lot more from, not a lot, but we have more from Chef. But no, we're, we're going to go to Nick next. My guy, Nick, who is hooking me up with all the great coffee companies. Um, he goes, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Mine was either to play for the Royals or be in the Army. And Nick, living out his dream, he's in the Army. Um, for me, my, my very first dream is I wanted to be a sportscaster on ESPN. And, and then, or NFL Live. Like, I wanted to be Boomer, uh, not, uh, oh, is that a Sison? Uh, he could go, oh, what, what's his last name? Berman. Just, Ber- yes, there we go. Berman. Yeah, Chris Berman. Chris Berman. Yeah. Chris Berman. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I wanted to be him. And then I was like, oh, I want to be a sports talk radio guy. Because we, my dad and I, we'd listen to like 610 and 810 in the car all the time. And then in my head, I was like, oh, I don't want to get into sports journalism. They all have, they can't be biased. They can't be fans, all this type of stuff. Little did I know every single one of them is super biased. Like I, I thought that all these people had journalistic integrity. No, they don't. Uh, but then I watched, um, then I watched uh, Jerry Maguire and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a sports agent. And I was like, ah, I don't want to go to like law school and all that type of stuff. So then at that point, like by the time I was in high school, I was like, all right, I'm just going to major in business, try to get a job and then make enough money where I can go and see K-State play. Uh, but luckily, you know, podcast world, I get to do that little uh, kind of sports, uh, you know, talk, you know, creative side. So I get the best of both worlds. I get I get paid like an actual human because uh, sports talk doesn't make jack uh, and I still get to talk K-State. So that was the evolution of my dreams. You're still in college, you know. You're still growing up, so I mean, you know, you take this uh, question however you want. But what, what did you want to be when you uh, were growing up? I definitely wanted to be a sports broadcaster too. Uh, that's like all I thought about and tried to be. Uh, basically, until I took a class in high school, uh, that was that's pretty much what I did. And I just hate writing. I can't do it. I love talking. I love talking sports with people. I feel like I could maybe commentate a game. I never tried, but uh, just the writing aspect to it would suck. If I got a job, I just want to do everything except that. I think I was all right at it, but it just wasn't fun. And like you said, they don't get paid anything and I want to make money. So I mean, I ended up being a civil engineer. Maybe we'll see. I got another year. But that's well, the goal. you're going to make a lot more money than I did going into engineering. So you're really hitting it out of the park. I got to say this. I think you should, I think you should start a case sports podcast or a podcast about, you know, any other team that you like, I think you should get into it. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. The, the day it stops being fun, Bosco's boys is going to die. So I hope it's not anytime soon, uh, but I think you should get into it. So hell I, we can have you do a primer for one, for one of the games this year. I'll let you record a primer. So you can kind of get awesome. your like analyst hat on as well. I would be honored. <laughs> All right. We'll go to the good chef again, more or less all big 12 players in football and basketball in 2022 compared to 2021. Uh, you can count honorable mention if you want. I think he's saying like this upcoming season, not last season. I'm going to say more. I, I think the football team is going to have quite a few. And I think, Oh, what we had Nigel, Mark, and Marquise in basketball. You had three. No, I'm gonna say more. I think I think football is gonna have a ton. I legitimately think we could be the number two or three team in the Big 12 this year. So I, I think there's gonna be more next season. It's gonna be more football. Um, I'm hoping we get more basketball, but you ended up with three. 
But I think football, you could have like 15 guys, especially if you're counting honorable mention, maybe close to 20. So I'm, I'm going to say, now that's a lot. It will not be 20. But you're going to have a lot in football. So I'm, I'm going to say more next year. Yeah, I, that's probably a pretty good point. I don't know exactly how many we had in football last year. Uh, so I'm kind of just thinking of it as who I remember being good. Um, and it seems like this year has basically the same team, just obviously new quarterback, small changes. But it's a lot of guys that were pretty good last year or really good for us, but kind of on the fringe of getting into Big 12 recognition. And someone off the top of my head is like Khalid Duke was out half the year. If he can stay healthy, he's a shoe in more than half the year. Yeah, right. Because it was like he didn't play a Big Twelve game. I don't think. No, yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember which game he went down in, but um, yeah, he was out a ton. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely could be more. I, I don't want to say be disappointed, but it, a little bit if we got less than three. Actually, I'd definitely be disappointed if we got less than three in basketball. I think three would be like a benchmark there. Um, but yeah, that definitely more. It's a lot of the same dudes that are just older now, hopefully better. If we get some freaking recognition for Echo, uh, I've just been waiting for the day, but you can't get enough because no one throws to him. Yeah, it, it, it truly is Echo Island. And, and I think year two for Julius Brents in this defense, he because he, he struggled in a couple games. Uh, but I, I really do think we might have the two best outside corners in the Big 12. Um, we're back to Nick, the next two from Nick. Uh, what game during the football season will we all be getting together as boneheads? Just asking so I can plan ahead. So I got to give a shout out to Nick. Nick was like sending me texts like he wanted a bonehead get together all last football season. We couldn't make it happen. So I'll say this. And then, you know, you, you can let me know as since you are a bonehead, what, what will work best for you. I actually am thinking I want it to be the TCU game. It might be the Iowa State game. I think it'd be cool to do an away game. Because here's the thing, everyone has their own kind of rituals, their own plans for home games. Um, I know I have like stuff I like to do, and especially I go to a lot of games with my dad. Um, we like to watch as much college football as we can in Topeka before we come to the game. I think it might be more fun to do a game at TCU or Iowa State and then get a block of tickets, all boneheads together. Try to find like a pregame tailgate spot, like if it's TCU, they have like the tailgate guys where, hey, we could uh, buy a tent, you know, even in health. We want to go premium a spot with like a media package, get it catered, all this type of stuff. We could go really big if we do an away game. And hell, we could do that at K-State too, but you only get seven home games. Everyone has their own thing they like to do at home games. So I'm, I'm leaning towards trying to do something for an away game, but stay tuned. Hayes, what would be your pre preference as a bonehead could you make it down to Fort Worth or up to Ames, Iowa, if we did an away game? Or are you saying, hey, Scott, you know, not going to be a, you know, millionaire engineer quite yet. Let's do it in Manhattan. What would you like to see next football season? I'd definitely rather do an away game. Uh, I obviously have a lot of – I'm doing other stuff on game days. I, I would come see you guys for sure if it was a home game, but I wouldn't be able to spend the whole time. And I got to be in line like two hours plus before the game anyway. So an away game would be awesome. I also love seeing new environments. And my favorite place to be as a fan is in a away game that has a good environment. Like I just love being the villain there. 
Um, so Iowa State would definitely be fun. And I've been to Texas a lot, and Dallas especially, and the TCU atmosphere just isn't that great. Personally, I'd love to be Iowa State. Obviously, we hate Iowa State, but um, having a game up there would be sweet. And uh, that's the game that there's a very good chance I don't go unless there's a Bosco's boys like tailgate, and that's going to push me over the edge. So I would love an Iowa State one myself. All right. Well, everyone stay tuned. Um, since it is, there's going to have to be some planning. I, I have actually already kind of gotten in touch with TCU and Iowa State to try to find out group rates. Uh, but I'll say this, I've been the villain, I think, for three K-State, Iowa State games, football games in Ames where we've won. And there is nothing better than winning a football game in Ames, Iowa and taunting their fans a little bit. Uh, next one from Nick. Why is Chef Andre Napier or why does why does Chef Andre Napier think he's the greatest podcast question asker of all time? I don't know why Chef thinks that. He's definitely not. Uh, because here's the thing. Ask Kellis Robinette. Ask uh, Sam Mellinger, even though he doesn't do Mellinger minutes anymore. Ask anyone who's ever done a Q&A thing. I'm the greatest question asker of all time. Uh, and yes, it's my own show, but Chef is nowhere near my level. I mean, Chef might be top five amongst the boneheads, uh, but, you know, Powercat Ryan's good. Steve Z's good. Uh, Hayes, you've asked a lot of good questions. Nick is good. Uh, e. Malorado, Bob Trollsby. We have a lot of great question askers. So I don't, Chef's not number one. He's maybe top five. I definitely think Chef is a chronic texture and driver with how many tweets he – or with how many questions he gets on here. With his, He's definitely just on the phone the whole post route. There's no way he's getting all these. Yeah, no, I, I, I do love Chef. He, he's a good guy. So we got uh, Derek Lynn. Uh, who, are, who are some guys you personally would love to see coming uh, into this K-State roster to make us an NCAA contender this upcoming year? The foundation is here, there. So for basketball, I mean, Antoine Davis would be massive. Uh, he, he, he replaces basically Nigel Pack when it comes to scoring. Uh, everyone knows, you know, Julian Phillips, if you could get him five-star, I mean, obviously I'd like to see him. I think Sean Phillips, a four-star, a top 50 guy, who's like a se near seven footer, who's super, you know, athletic for a big guy. I think that would be a great one. Um, I mean, we have a handful of guys who are visiting next week. Every guy who's visiting, I get excited for. Um, I think that, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of going through some texts. Uh, okay, I, I can't really say something, but I think you might see a couple junior college guys. Because again, I, I don't, I try not to do uh, premium information or stuff that's trying trying to be hidden. I think there's going to be a couple JUCO guys that are going to be on campus in the next coming weeks as well. So just keep an eye on your preferred website, your preferred Twitter accounts, all that type of stuff. Oh, Chauncey's barking. Um, I think you're going to see maybe even some Juco guys that are going to be big pickups. Is there, are there any guys that you're really zeroing in on hoping that we see on the roster next year? Everyone you said is pretty much exactly. I, I've been locked in on anything Antoine Davis, social media. Um, God, if we could get him, that would just be so massive. It propels our team into another dimension. Uh, Julian Phillips, of course, Sean Phillips, uh, there's that one big man like F.A. 
I don't know. I'm not going to try to say his name. I, Washington State guy, right? Yes, correct. The guy that had 40 schools interested at first. Um, yeah, it, someone like that. And I'm sure there's going to be more guys that enter now or soon and guys we haven't even heard of. Uh, I trust in the staff to get some fellas on campus and try to lock them down. I definitely – I think that we can compete for – NCAA tournament berth. We're not competing for the NCAA. I don't think we'll be competing at the top of the 12. I would be overjoyed if that was possible. But I think right around the bubble, um, we'll see who we bring in to see who our expectations will be. I mean, we have five dudes on the roster right now. But um, I think we can bring some guys in to make us quite a contender or even an expectation for the tournament. Yeah, I think the key is get to the tournament. If we get to the tournament, I, I'm happier than a pig in mud, I think is the phrase. So uh, I that's what I want. Um, I'm going to hold on. I want to see the roster before I make any crazy declarations. Um, but I, you get Antoine. To, and, and here's the thing. I, I think a lot of national folks are trying to say that Julian Phillips is about to make his decision. So we'll see if he holds off long enough for Rodney Perry to become official and for him to get to Manhattan. But if you were to go best case scenario, Antoine Davis, uh, Julian Phillips, Sean Phillips, um, that Hammond guy, uh, F.A., you know, all of a sudden, I mean, the expectation is going to the tournament and making some noise. I don't I don't think you're going to compete for the Big 12 in year one with Tang, even with all that, per- like the perfect scenario. But I mean, that's a spicy roster. Um, I would love to see that. But, you know, we'll we'll wait and see. Um, we're going to go to Ace Edwards next. Uh, he has three, so we'll do this one at a time. I think this first one's easy. Uh, I know it's easy, but he asks, if you could pick only one of the Ad Astra All-Stars to commit to K-State, who are you picking? Again, that's what I've dubbed the top 12 players in the Kansas Rivals rankings. We're really you know, in contention for, I think, seven or eight of them. Um, I think this is easy. I think it's Avery Johnson. I Quarterback, most important position and you know he's the number one guy on 247 he's the number two guy on rivals I think it's Avery Johnson I don't particularly think it's even close could you make an argument for anyone else no I was I was thinking the same thing I was going to say Avery and classic Twitter quote and it's not close uh it's just not Dylan's up there I guess but it's Avery Johnson by a mile Next one, over under 1,900 rushing yards between Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. I'll let you go first for this one. Over, without a doubt. Uh, I've been the – I think I'm like the biggest Deuce Vaughn durability guy. Uh, I hear a lot of – a lot of people, I I think you included, are the – want to keep him under 20 touches maybe, keep him healthy. Maybe it's just optimistic, but – I'm going to assume that he's not injury prone at all until it happens. Uh, I mean, I know he's small, but he's very dense and he does not get hit hard. He does not fall backwards. It's just, I feel great about that. He had 1400 yards last year by himself. Uh, I think that goes up to, I don't, I guess this is rushing yards. That could have been told. No, that's rushing 1400. Yeah, Cause I just pulled um, up because he had, he had just under, 200,000 total yards. Again, we all kept waiting for him to go over 500 yards receiving, and he didn't quite get there. But 
he, I mean, he was just under 2,000 all-purpose yards, him, or no, no, yards from scrimmage himself. Um, and then he, here's my only thing, because I agree. I think I think he's going to be 1,400 to maybe 1,500. Adrian Martinez specifically has talked about how he wants to run less than he did at Nebraska. Do you think that is a smokescreen? And then even then, you know, 500 yards rushing across, hopefully we're playing 13 games. Uh, so that would be 38 a game. So do you do you think he he's at that 500 level? Uh 38. That's not very many. <laughs> yeah, but you also have to remember for quarterbacks, and I'm not anticipating getting a lot of sacks, but sack yardage does take away from that. Sack yardage takes away from passing yards, does it not? No, rushing yards. Oh. Um I mean, what you said, I was kind of thinking that, like, when you combine them, it makes it a little tough because I don't think Adrian's going to uh, run as much. Maybe, but then again, I'm thinking about how all spring he hasn't been able to throw and he's just been running run plays. But um, I still think we hit it. I think Deuce gets a Heisman vote. He's at least up there. So that's, I don't know, six, 1,600 rushing yards by himself. Uh, I definitely think he does better than last year. He's going to get 25 touches a game at least, and I love that. But Adrian will run a little bit. Like you said, 38 a game. Um, well, so, that so just doesn't sound like that many. I just pulled it up. So he has never had less than 500 yards rushing. So last year was 525 in the COVID, and that's in 11 games. Uh, the COVID season, he played seven games, had 521, which is wild. Uh Sophomore year, played in 10 games, got 626. Freshman year, played in 11, got 629. Wow, that's a ton. Yeah, it is yeah, so wild. Even, even his um, rushing yards could go down by a considerable margin, and he'd still be around the 400, 500 mark. Yeah, yeah so I, I think it's going to be close. I, I, I say over, but I think it's close. And then the next one, which team will make a Big 12 championship first? Men's basketball, women's basketball, or football? And we'll, we'll, we'll say this. For football, make the championship game. For women's and men's basketball, it can be either finish top two or win the regular season or make the championship game in the tournament. So which of those three will I think make a Big 12 championship first? Yeah, he didn't say win. He said make. So which of those three? So I think the safest bet is definitely women's uh, basketball. They might be preseason number two or three next year. Number two or three, Big 12, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, not okay. nation. Two or three. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they, they're almost – they're like right there and sort of expected to be right there. Um, so they're, I think they're the safe bet. But if we're talking a calendar year, football comes first, obviously. And I just <laughs> uh, stat that, but I just, I feel pretty confident about this year's football team. Most, I honestly feel under confident. That's not a word, but about like the other people around us, I think OU is going to be quite a bit worse. I don't buy into the, I don't think Venables is going to be able to get it going year one. Dylan Gabriel is not that good. I, the stuff that I see about him is just straight up false. Don't believe it. He's a fine college quarterback. Um, I just don't love OU this year. I think they're going to struggle to be in the number two race. I 
I think Baylor is going to win the conference without a doubt. Um, I think it's going to be a race between us, OU, and Texas for the number two spot. And I'm sure a lot of people will write off Texas immediately. I looked like an idiot last year because I believed in them, and it looked amazing for four and a half games. Um, but I think that we can do it. We're going to need a couple things to fall our way. I think we're about the same team as last year, just a little bit better. And like I said, <clears throat> the rest of the top of the 12 is not as good. And I think Baylor is so good that they're not going to lose a game and they're going to get a playoff spot. And that's an extra loss for someone else. So just because of the calendar, I'm going to say football, but uh, in order of maybe um, if you could do it like over a longevity, it'd be like women's men's women's basketball, men's basketball, football. But I just feel good about this year's football team. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, we'll go to, uh, chef, what's the first thing you want to see the new Big 12 commissioner get done? For me, it's TV contract. There's literally nothing else that matters. Yeah, it, we already have a new conference set. Just make us money. Yeah. Uh, next one from Chef, and I think it might be the last one from Chef. Is there anything you, a product that you are use regularly in your brand loyal to? The only brand I'm straight up loyal to, outside all the great sponsors uh color cast we're going live wednesday 7 p.m join download join the show and then athletic greens go to athleticgreens.com sports drink for five free travel packs and a gear supply of vitamin d droplets for your water so outside of those great brands it's really only nike for me um there's nothing else in the world where it's like oh hey i like there's nothing else that i really care about the brand it is nike and i guess I'll probably never go away from having an iPhone, but that's it. I don't own anything else that's Apple, um, but it's it's Nike. I, I am a slut for Nike. Yeah, I'm a, I will only buy Nike tennis shoes. I only have ever since I've bought my own tennis shoes, but um, yeah, it's Nike tennis shoes. I don't really have that much else. I'm just looking for a good deal. I, um, I only, I'll only buy Dove like shower stuff that's about it that's nice uh I'm, I'm very brand loyal to mitchum deodorant actually so maybe that's my second thing mitchum deodorant uh powercat ryan we got a few from him uh so we'll go to this one who steps up and becomes the swag daddy of the defense a role left open by reggie stubblefield i think TJ Smith. I think TJ Smith is going to hit a stride and he's going to bring that swag. So that's my guess. Who do you have? I hate when you say my answers. (laughs) Sorry. I should have let you go first. (laughs) No, that's fine. I I keep having the same answer, but I was going to go lost and it's weird because I'm not a hundred percent sure if he's going to start, but I love him too. And whenever he's in on a play, he makes a difference and it is awesome. Uh, so maybe him. I like Sincere Mason too. I think he has a shot to be the the swag daddy. It's uh, it's Julius not going to be. Julius Brents was a big thumbs down guy. Julius Brents was so maybe he steps it up a little bit. That's a good point. Maybe he raises his like K State pride this next year, being here in his second year. One one of them three for sure. I don't think it's any of the linemen. I don't think Will Honus is going to be some big swag daddy, but 
uh, we'll see. One of the DBs will get there. I agree. All right, so let's get to that question um, that we kind of referenced earlier. How many transfers do you think Tang wants in year one? How many class of 2022 guys, Manning plus dot, dot, dot? Then how many scholarships will he leave open or give to walk-ons for year one? So you reference this, so just kind of walk me through how you see it playing out. I don't think he uses all 13. Um, it's a mix of there's not enough time and – also, I don't think he's going to start settling, basically. I don't think he's going to get to a point where he thinks, oh, there's two or three scholarships left. We have really, like dwindled down the portal. These are the guys we have. I don't think he's just going to fire because he wants people on the team. And they're definitely going to want to hit the 2023 class hard. Uh, and I don't know exactly how it works when you – tell a guy he's not on scholarship anymore because I don't think you can do that if it's for athletic ability uh so he's really not going to want to be handcuffed handcuffed next year when he finally gets a basically full recruiting cycle I don't see him passing 12 scholarship players and I wouldn't be overly surprised if we're stuck at 11. I think he does get to the 13. um but you're right. There, there isn't a lot of time. I, I do think he is going to make sure that if he does get to that, there are plenty of one year guys. Cause like Marquise, he only has one year left. If it's uh, you know, uh, Antoine Davis, he's only going to have one year left. I think Marcus Hammond, who I think they're trying to get in on a visit is only one year left. So I think he's going to make sure that he has between four or five open scholarships for 2023, regardless I think you're going to see three 2022 guys. Um, and then I think you're going to see maybe two Juco guys. So there's four of the remaining eight spots and then four more transfers if, if, if he's going to get to 13. So that, that's how I see it playing out. And I, and I think where you would cut it is maybe only one Juco guy instead of two. And then uh, the amount of transfers. I think we will see at least three 2022 guys. And if things go right, maybe even more. So we'll see. Uh, Bob Trollsby, over under two and a half years before we make an Elite Eight under Tang, over under two and a half years until we make the Big 12 football title game. Keep in mind, two and a half years, we'll have four new members to the league. I know this, Bob Trollsby. I know. I'll let you go first because I don't want to steal your answers again. Bob's burner just had to let you know about his good work. Uh, under well, for first off, it took me way longer than it should have to realize that Bob Trollsby was a uh burner for like someone who is like I follow both accounts and it took me way longer than it should have to realize who it was, but I'm not going to say anything more. But uh, <laughs> it's great that we locked down the fake past. Um, Big 12 commissioner just for the K-State fan. But it's under on the football title game just because, like I said, we're making it this year. Um, Elite eight, that's a that's a toughie. The tournament is so much luck and so much just one game. What can you do? I'm going to say over, but that's a good over under at two and a half. Um, if you were to set like three, I think that'd be almost exact, but then you're pushing a lot of them. Um, and then, no, that's it. Um, yeah, I think over on the basketball and not that we don't, won't have an elite eight capable team. It's just, it's tough to get lucky in March. 
Yeah, I'm going over for basketball. And I'll say this. It's either over under, you know, 0.5 years or, you know, or it's not going to happen because I, I love Coach Kleiman. I don't see any scenario where uh, the 2023 football season, which is what it would need. It has to be 2022 or 2023 to hit that under. I don't see any reason, any plausible chance that we are contending in 2023. I think that is going to be a step back season. That said, the smart bet is over for football as well. But again, I mean, fuck it. It's it's April. We're like four months out from the season starting. I'm in Arlington mode, man. Like until until we get two Big 12 losses, I'm like, no, we're going to Arlington, which again, it could happen in the first two weeks of the Big 12 season. But, you know, screw that. So dream, under for football. So we're going to Arlington, baby. Uh, Alex Pogue, A.S. Pogue, uh, who's, hey, the, the Pogue brothers, longtime question askers. I think it took me two years to like say their last name correctly, and I'm still not even 100% sure that I did, but I run into them at Sporting KC games. They're the best. I love both of them. Uh, which will come first, new football uniforms or any major K-State w- team winning the Big 12? So for, for the sake of this, I am saying major uniforms mean uh, like legitimately new style, like the white pants, the white helmets don't count. The script cats decal doesn't count. Um, And I would even say like just another decal doesn't count. Like it has to be something that isn't the Cowboys uniform, just like whatever the color is. And I think someone's winning the big 12 because while coach Kleiman's correct, there are a lot of, issues with the supply chain i also will say this we we, during the pandemic the nike contract ended and we just renewed it for three years we're now getting close to the end of that contract so it has to be renegotiated they're not going to go out to uh oregon start the design process which then again is going to take 18 months until a new deal is finalized so again we're looking for a truly new football uniform for a truly real alternate concept you're looking almost at 2025 uh which is wild and i also don't think climbing cares that much i think he kind of says whatever he has to when he's asked the question i don't think he actually cares i don't think it's a priority so i think a i think a major i think we're going to see multiple maybe not multiple but we will see a big 12 championship for a major sport before we see a true new football uniform so that's my take yeah, I don't know if you – I don't think you'd count, like, the all-whites that we had for um, the Liberty Bowl because we already had them. Um, so, new football uniforms, there's there's almost no chance it happens anytime in the near future. And I, I don't really understand the Nike supply chain stuff. I feel like if it really wanted to be done, it could be done. It could be wrong, but I mean, the Wichita Wind Surge have three uniforms this year, <laughs> like, with three completely different names. I think we can – probably do something. I just don't, it's not a priority. They don't care that much. Um, it's def. I think it's gotta be K-State team winning the, winning the 12. So th- there are like some NFL teams. So like the sh- one shell rule is leaving. So I think it's either, I-, I think it's maybe both, but at least one of them, either the Eagles or the Buccaneers, like straight up said, because of Nike supply chain issues, they're not getting to do their throwback jerseys. 
uh, this upcoming year. So I, I know a lot of folks are like, oh, supply, yeah, yeah, yada. When you're working with Nike and some of like these big time designers, it is still a real thing. Like the USFL uniforms and even the wind surge stuff. I think that's being designed in like produced in America in like a very small fashion versus the, all the stuff that goes into it. So it is a very real thing. And I, I don't think I've ever talked about my day job on this podcast and I'm not going to today, but I also like am dealing with a lot of supply chain stuff. So it's very real haze. So not to get preachy, but it's a real thing. We're going to wing to Steve Z, SL Keck. Four years from today, how many five stars will play at K-State? What is Coach Tang's drink of choice? What is the best thing you cook or bake? So how, four years from now, how many different five stars will be playing at K-State or will have or have played and then gone on to the NBA? Because there's not going to be anyone staying four years as a five star. So I, I'm taking just men's basketball, I think. Um, uh, anything over one is honestly insane. Um, I, I, think, I think two. I'm going to be optimistic. Um, if we can get two, that'd be massive. Any five stars playing at our university is way more than I thought would happen. And I'm still surprised that we're in talks with five star now. I'm sure that'll continue on into the future. So, yeah, I think two is probably the right number. Yeah, that's where I had it as well. And that's, again, me being optimistic um, because, you know, it very well could be one or it could be zero. And, and I don't think it would be a failure if it was, but I'm going to go optimistic and say two. Uh, Coach Tang's drink of choice, he's, he strikes me as a red wine guy. A nice, fine aged red wine. Because here's the thing: everyone else, like it's like a Budweiser, Bud Light crew. You know, Gene loves the Bud Light. Chris Kleiman loves the Bud Light. Taylor Bratt loves the Bush Light. I think Tang is way more highbrow than that. So I'm saying like a aged red Syrah from Argentina, uh, 2007 or older. Oh, you went deep on that. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking maybe like a, I think he sits down every night and puts down a gin and tonic or two. I don't, I don't know if gin is, I don't know how high class that gets as far as a actual D1 basketball coach, but that's high class for me. So I'm going to say like, he's a gin and tonic guy. I love a good GNT. So I, I I'm all for that. And then what's the best thing you cook or bake? I don't cook or bake anything, but I made potato casserole the for easter and thanksgiving and i like to think it was pretty good the one with like cornflakes on it and a bunch of cheese uh, you cannot mess that up uh, i hardly even say i cooked it because i just followed a few instructions but that's about it i love cooking omelets in the morning uh so that's probably it i used to grill a ton i need to get back to it i used to be able to do a really good steak i used to smoke up brats i could do some baby back ribs but i need to I need to treat myself and get myself like a Traeger or like a pellet smoker uh, because, you know, I have to keep my eye on CB. I can't, I can't be monitoring that the entire time. Um, Powercat Ryan, speaking of CB, Chauncey Bosco, what's the biggest positive and biggest negative of dog ownership? Positive is like the little guy, uh, he's downstairs right now, but he makes every day great. I love, I love him so much. I didn't think it was possible to love an animal as much as I did. 
I grew up with dogs, but I, I love the guy. He makes everything better. The negative is sometimes, so he sleeps on the bed. He sometimes like legitimately like goes back to back with me and he's strong. Like he almost like kind of like, if he moves around, he could almost push me off the bed. So uh, he is a bed hog. So that is the worst part about it. Um, I don't know if you have a dog. I don't know if you have a history of dog, but if you want to talk about dog ownership, you can at this point. It's like a half count. I got a dog when I was uh, 15. He's six years old now, German Shepherd. Uh, he's massive. I love him. He's, I think, like 115 pounds. But um, I basically raised him, like, from a puppy. It was, like, me and my dad. But he slept in my room and stuff. So I had to deal with all the worst of it when he was young. But it's definitely a positive. I have a dog up here. It's not the same one, but it's great. And I it, it doesn't seem that great on paper. And you're like, I'm going to spend a lot on this and whatever. But it's just, you're just happier all the time. And the negative is sometimes they will poop in their entire kennel and it will be liquid and they'll get it sprayed across every wall in your basement. But that's okay because that's one time and it's worth it. Yeah, that, that does not sound fun. Uh, I'm not even going to like talk about Chauncey not having any accents inside for a very long time because that'll jinx it. Uh, so college football 199. What do you think college football would look like if there's no conference realignment in 2010? Would the SEC still be the best conference? And how do you think the Big 12 would have played out if none of the members left? RIP Grant KSU. That's a great question. I, I think the SEC, I don't think anything about the national talk changes because again, what Texas A&M recruits well, but they still haven't really done shit. You know, Johnny Manziel winning the Heisman is the best thing that's happened to A&M since they left. Missouri didn't do anything after they lost all the players they recruited during the big 12. Um, so that doesn't change anything for the SEC. So they're still going to get that perceived. But I think the Big 12 would be much better. Again, you have all these old old school rivalries. I think, uh, you know, things were 100% better with AM, Nebraska, Missouri, and Colorado. And I love West Virginia. And I love TCU. And I'm excited for some of these new teams. But they don't replace the excitement of playing Nebraska in football or Missouri in uh, basketball for me. Like, it doesn't even come close. Um so I think the Big 12 will be at a much better spot, but I don't think anything perception changes nationally. Yeah, the, the old Big 12 is like a distant memory to me because almost the whole time I've been really into it, it's been the new one. But there's just, none of the people that have left have made that big of an impact. I don't think that it makes us that much better to be on. Like, I think actual performance, it doesn't make us that much better. I think national recognition, it does, though just because so much of it is the name on your Jersey, which is the worst thing about like national college football coverage, but the SEC is still far and away better than us. There were a couple of years back in like the mid 2010s that I argued for the big 12. And I think I was right, but the SEC is so much better than us now. Um, we definitely deserve more respect. And I think maybe if they stayed, we'd be, nationally thought of on the same platform as the big 10 if not above even though in reality we're better than them but um yeah i don't think actually we'd be that much better just because they haven't done much and then the final question from underscore dratsum which his name is chef 
And then he has like a little puppet avatar. So, I mean, maybe that's the Chef Burner account. Who knows? Um, also, shout out to Byron Pringle. He was arrested Saturday in Florida because he was doing donuts in his Hellcat. So, shout out to Byron Pringle. Um, I love Byron Pringle. Uh, thoughts on all the cool things Casey Athletics is doing with students at the university. And how pissed off are you that they didn't do this stuff when you were there? So, you're there. So, you can talk about that in a second. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I was there, like underclassmen didn't even have a shot at getting ICAT unless you knew someone who would buy it for you. Um, we sold, I think my freshman, sophomore years, like close to 10,000 combo passes between ICAT and GA. Like people were getting turned around at football and basketball games. Like GA people were like one of the big calling points to ICAT is, Hey, we will never turn you away. Um, so they didn't have to do all these things. They didn't have to do, re, uh, you know, reach outs like my junior and senior year I was involved in like an advisory committee to the athletic department to reach out to students and they were like oh no what, what do we need to do because ticket sales for students dropped from like in 2010 it was like over 10,000 and then it was you know 980 uh, and then it got below nine and then my final year there it was like just over 8,000 student tickets I'm pretty sure it was not even above 4,000 last year for students. So there's a reason why they didn't do all that stuff back then. And again, they still gave out free food. We had free bacon night at a women's game. We got free big 12 t-shirts before we played UCLA in uh, 2010. Like they did some stuff, but they didn't need to do all that type of stuff. Um, the mix between generation Z caring less about sports than any other generation. And then the tanking enrollment at K-State, that has more to do with it than anything. And I think they need to kind of fix the enrollment issue. And I think student attendance just as a whole will get better. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't really care because again, there wasn't a day, there wasn't a home game uh, when I was at K-State outside the very final one, because it was Thanksgiving break and super cold, that you didn't have at least 6,000 students there. And I don't even think they sold 6,000 combo passes. So that's my kind of soapbox. You're there now. Uh, you can talk about student ticket sales. You can talk about student atmosphere. You can talk about the cool stuff they do for you. I'll just kind of let you talk about anything student tickets. Yeah, I love I love the little promotions that we have. That's kind of insane to hear how much different the numbers are today. Um, the promotions don't really affect me. I'm going to go anyway. Uh, and that's like baseball. Then it might push me over the top. but. Um, I, I definitely have some friends that are on the fringe and I don't know if there's probably no way to track it, but how many people actually went to the game versus the tickets. So I feel like now if you're going to go to almost every game, you're going to buy the tickets. And if you're not going to, you won't. So maybe there was more people that just bought it anyway and attended a few games, but I love what they do for us. Um, I love all the free stuff we get. It was hilarious going to, and I don't remember which, which basketball game it was, but walking into one of the men's games and getting handed a bowl of chili, uh, that was a real strange thing to just be sitting there and eating it while like while watching before the game. But I love all the free stuff we get. I was at the uh, veneer visit last week. That was super cool just to be able to see that. And I'm sure that's nothing that they've done before. So I appreciate them doing everything. 
Uh, I was at baseball today, and I think they could increase attendance like threefold if they made beer. They made that like their thing. I know we have a rough relationship with beer at this university with games, but if they made those like three bucks, you're still making a hundred percent profit on every one, and you would get a full student section, I guess you could call it, at every game. And right now, there's very few. I see people drinking, and I I don't know where they're getting that money from because I'm not spending eight dollars on that. But yeah. I actually agree with you. I and maybe I'll have to have you and like the alley cats and like some other students to talk about this type of stuff and then send the episode to uh, some folks at, at the university. But I think they 100% should. And I know folks will be like, Oh, that's encouraging binge drinking with a student ID. You should be able to get like a $2 natty light or bush light or something like that. And it doesn't have to be the pounders. It can be like the 16 ounce cans. They 100% should have that at baseball games and maybe three bucks for football and basketball games as well and have a concession stand right behind ICAT and be like, all right, show your student ID and show that you're 21. Here, here's your $2 bush light. Uh, keep them in the stands, all this type of stuff. Uh, one final kind of follow-up on that since you're there. Do you think there is more excitement around, uh, you know, going back to games for the 2023 season or 22-23 because football's coming off that bowl when there's energy around the Jerome Tang hire, do you think there will be an increase in student ticket sales amongst the, uh, you know, upperclassmen population, or do you think it's going to be about the same it's been the last couple of years? I would think it has to be higher. I, I don't know about football. I feel like that I think will be better, but there's not that much change and enthusiasm around that, but I can't wait for basketball season which is strange for me to say because I'm, I'm like such a big football guy, but uh, I think basketball is going to be so much better and almost every game is going to have actually a decent atmosphere. It, it sucks going to games when there's a hundred students there, but like the there's so Bramwich is the best when it's full and there's just too many games a year where it's nowhere close to full. And I'm not trying to dog on the students at all because I'm a big like pro students, like it's the season ticket holders are the ones not showing up, which is true. But anyway, uh, I think basketball is going to be at least a section, probably two full every single game. And football fills up pretty much no matter what, at least for the students. Maybe they leave in the third quarter that they do leave in the third quarter, but uh, they'll be there at the start. And I can't wait for this next season. I've had a little bit underwhelming first three years. So I'm really hoping that it finally comes through and we can have a little more fun in sports this year. I think you will get it again. I, I was very lucky for my time at K-State, but I hope, I hope there's some big ones and I hope we can kind of get back to, you know, those big student turnouts, because again, it's a massive student section. They've started taking seats away the last handful of years. So I, I, I hope students start buying the tickets, showing up so it doesn't keep getting smaller. But that's all we got. Again, I had a lot of fun with you, Hayes. I think we're going to try to, you know, keep getting you on the live shows. We might try to, you know, get you to do some primers. And hell, you know, if you, if you start a podcast, we'll, we'll help pimp it out here on the show and get some listeners because I think you're a great guy. Love having you on. And then as always, we let the guests kind of get final words out there before I give the tagline. So just tell all the boneheads, all your fellow boneheads, anything you want, my man. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on here. Um, I bet a lot of my answers were a little long-winded, so sorry if we went a little long through the listeners, but um, it, this is great. I would love to be on anything else and um, just show up to games next year. Let's have some fun. This is the most excited I've been about K-State sports in a long time since I, I made an eyebrow bet with my teacher, our Jake Waters Texas Bowl season, had to shave my eyebrow because I thought we were going to finish top 10. But anyway, this is the most excited I've been in so long. It's it's gonna be great. We're I'm trying to stay optimistic. There's no reason to be like, oh, woe is me. Uh, let's have some fun this year. I love it. Thank you, Hayes. Uh, folks, we again going live Wednesday, 7 p.m. And then if there's any crazy news that drops, uh, you know, this week I I'm not I, I might do an emergency show as well. But otherwise, we'll talk to you Wednesday night, 7 p.m. live show. We'll drop that either Thursday or Friday morning in the RSS feed. Uh, and we love you guys. Again, I'm going to have fun with these uh, live shows, uh, or not live shows, these Q&As at the end of every month. Always use hashtag AskBosco, and I will answer. And who knows who the guests will be next month. We love you guys unconditionally. And again, I'll always say it. No matter what's going on in the world, Grant is always going to be at the Cathead waiting for him. They're waiting for you. You just got to go find them. Hail to the purple. Hail to the white. Wildcat in spirit. Wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, fight, fight.
Sports Social Podcast Network.